This episode of the podcast is brought to you by HardcoreHusky.com, covering Washington Huskies football with message boards full of debauchery and childlike wonder. Folks who are well-known in cyberland and not that dumb, except for our little fudgy who is wrong about everything. So come join the gang and register today for free at HardcoreHusky.com. And now it's time for the show. Another one. Alright, we the best. I'm out. Uh, cause you're like, oh yeah, you're the fucking beaver. Uh, you're like coob, but worse. Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a color man. <laughs> you know how I always make those interesting comments during the game? Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. Hey there, everybody. This is Derek Johnson, along with my co-hosts, Joey Dangerously and Willie Doog. And thanks for hanging out with us here on a Saturday morning as we record this. Uh, spring camp is now over for the Washington Huskies, and the mass exodus via the portal didn't occur as many posters were fearing. But we will go over that topic, along with uh, Jackson Kirkland's likely return for a final season. Troy Fautenu, I think I pronounced it correctly, earning high praise from Ryan Grubb. Corey Luciano earning lukewarm praise from Ryan Grubb, and Giles Jackson, who seems hell-bent on not being relegated to the Chico McClatchen's role on this team. We will also fulfill the request of a poster at Hardcore Husky by the name of Rodman's Rage. This will be later in the show. His band is a demo tape, and he asked for a shout-out, and we'll go one step further than that. We're even going to play a brief clip. Uh, But to kick things off, uh, we'll start with you, Joey. And uh, Joey, my question to you to, to get things going here is that with everything that you've seen and heard, is it possible that Hardcore Husky has helped make a man out of Asa Turner? <laughs> uh, well, or he's or he's just become a complete scrimmage hero during the off season, <laughs> like feared. Every year feared you know, by many. One comment you never heard through the Don James era was scrimmage hero. <laughs> I like that. If if, so, if that would be true and somehow we could get Asa Turner to admit that he went to some lunatic friend's website and it helped him become a man, <laughs> what, what kind of free pub would be... <laughs> That'd be great. What better free pub than anything? <laughs> so, of those uh, of those topics that I mentioned in the introduction, uh, or anything else related to Husky football or uh, the history of wrestling in Skagit Valley, um, what, go ahead and talk about whatever you want to talk about, and we'll we'll get things rolling here. Uh, so, I, I was having a discussion with a friend of mine yesterday, and sort of uh, something Wooly Duke and I have been talking about for a couple weeks um, that so we basically started the discussion on you know it was basically Josh Connerly right so uh, yes Oregon has to play him right they got to play him this year well one would think whatever contract he has probably you know with whoever it is probably states that you know, he needs to play 
if whoever is going to be paying him that money, you know, he's got to be present and on the field. So he's got to play. So what does that do for, uh, you know, redshirt sophomore scholarship player uh, dedicated three years to the program and has to sit the bench possibly better than Josh Connerly? What does, you know, that that ultimately makes that uh, player unhappy and then he leaves the program. So is it possible that maybe Washington is in the long run doing the best thing for, uh, you know, involving the NIL where they're like, hey, we're going to pay you based on performance. Uh, but then the pro- the other problem is that we pointed out, it's like, well, you have to get the kid to come here first. So, so you're going to be relying on diamonds in the rough. Well, here's the deal. I'm going to push back on that. A, I, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that he has a stipulation in his contract that Connerly does that he has to play that first year. I don't know that that would be something you could bank on 100%. Uh, and second, it sounds like you and Wooly have maybe been doing a, some heavy-duty rationalization since we last spoke. <laughs> um, well, you know, he promised me he would never beat me again. You don't I'm, know him like I do. So, <laughs> well, I'm just. Trying is this going to gonna turn into a site <laughs> a therapy session? I don't know, but the doctor is in. So I'm just trying to get into the. Uh, I, well, it was basically Connerly as a um, as an example because you know there was that. Uh, we didn't need him. On, yeah, we didn't want him anyway. Uh, uh, well, because there was that Bijan Robinson uh, that you know he signed a yes you know, thing with Lamborghini. So, so what? And he credited God that? for giving him the Lamborghini. <laughs> <laughs> right, straight from the heavens, baby. Uh, God's not worried about the Ukraine or uh, the, or uh, <laughs> you know what's the name of that or Yemen the uh, the genocide in Yemen. He's he's worried about Bijan Robinson getting a Lamborghini. But sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. No, no, and and Tim Tebow prayed harder than everybody. That's why he won. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, there's there's my middle finger to religious nuts. Anyways, uh, well, okay, so he signs a deal with Lamborghini. So what what happens if Bijan Robinson uh, um, his leg gets bitten off by a lion at uh, you know, at a wildlife safari adventure or something in the off season. So, so, and then he doesn't play like what, you know, then what happens? Does Lamborghini get taken away? I, I mean, no, I, I think that's, there's probably insurance policies and all that on all sides, you know? And Yeah. Well, so, but, but what if, uh, what if Texas recruits a, a better running back than him? Uh, you know, and then, and then the, that running back plays over him. So then, what does Lamborghini, the Lamborghini place, do? I, I mean, 
do they say like, no, you got to play this guy. We've got we've got money pouring into the school, and we've got money invested into him. We you know, we we need him to play. You know, well, well, the better kid is sitting on the bench. We need to play the be- the better player. So I don't know. There, it's uh, the the whole human human nature of it is like there's going to be there's going to be unhappy players in every single program. So. You know, it's it, I I don't know. Like I, I was starting to think, like the uh, you know the Northwestern players wanting to unionize. You know, about five years ago, like maybe maybe that was the best decision. You know, that way the uh, all I players would... are on a all players are on an equal playing field. And and first of all, the NCAA should have defended their product better. You know, they're like you get a. a you, you basically get a quarter of a million dollar check for four years and a free education that nobody can seem to pay off uh, by the time they're 40 years old. So, you know, I don't know. The, the NCAA completely failed. I would agree there. And, uh, and Wooly, as you call from your, uh, your van in the parking lot of the Circle K on Cook Road, uh, what are your thoughts on what's going on here? Yeah, I would, well, I'm, I'm going to Walmart to get some firewood, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> keep it warm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I got to get uh, the, 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 we're talking inflation earlier. I mean, the price of firewood, that shit's uh, fucking skyrocketed. Uh, yeah. yeah, we were talking uh, inflation and yeah. in, in van life videos on YouTube and stuff before we started recording, but I digress. Uh, please continue. Yeah. Uh, no, I give, uh, you know, uh, Joe, Joey, a, a shout out for yeah. The NCAA did articulate it well. Did such a fucking terrible job of surrendering about their own fucking product, which which was good. And uh, I, you know, one, I, I, I don't think Connor. I don't know if Connor has a thing that he has to play. I mean, wouldn't it be better if he got if he could get paid and not play? Uh, <laughs> that's the beauty of uh, this shit. But uh, I think save himself for the pros. <laughs> yeah. I think if you're a quarterback or like a running back or a receiver, I I, well, I would bet they I wouldn't be surprised if they have stuff like that where you know to play. But a lineman, maybe not. Uh, I I'm not as optimistic. We we've tossed around the idea of you know I, I do think there is a good chance that these schools that are going hard on the NIL, uh, you know, they're going to have a hard time maintaining their morale when you have a team of guys who are just there for the money. I think schools like Ohio State and Alabama. And, uh, you know, Clemson and Georgia and stuff will be fine because I think they'll get enough really good guys, guys who already who do genuinely want to be there but are also, you know, get a check. Why not? Uh, I think the Oregons and the Texas a and will be interesting to watch because I'm like, these are guys who are only going to be schools for fucking money. How do you manage that? I think we, we even saw a little bit of it last year with Oregon. You know, things were great, but once they kind of faced any adversity when they had to play at Utah, they just got absolutely just, you know, they got they got the shit kicked out of them more than, you know, me in the Walmart parking lot last weekend. Uh, <laughs> I think that morale is going to be really hard to maintain. And yeah, I just, but I also do think the, the Washington, the Washington method is going to have having to rely totally on guys who, you know, are all going to be diamonds in the rest of the team, guys who, it doesn't seem like they're even beating out like ASU or Cal or UCLA. No. Uh, it's just, that is 
mind blowing. I don't know. I mean, that yeah. is, uh, I, that is such a hard thing to bank on that I have no idea. And I'm very worried about the, the roster after like this year, it, as soon as even this year, you know, uh, especially if they just go like seven and six or something. I, I wouldn't. Oh, it's over then. Yeah. Yeah. I think even if they like, go to a bowl and win, like win, like the, the shittiest goal in the conference. I mean, I still think they're going to have a lot of guys to leave. Uh, but yeah, but I'm kind of, I'm kind of back. To, I'm kind of a uh, sidetracking, but I mean, I, it was an interesting thing that came out yesterday that some people were sharing that the NCAA uh, announced, I thought they announced yesterday or today that they are going like retroactively that, you know, it's a violation it's a violation for if any recruits talk directly to boosters and they're going to retroactively enforce this, uh, which would be like the one thing where you're like Washington was like playing it right the whole playing for the chess the whole time. And they're like all these schools that, you know, did this NIL stuff are going to get sanctioned. And the one school standing is going to be Washington because they didn't do it wrong. But I think with that, but they haven't broken I'll- any rules though. <laughs> Even the B. John Robinson thing, it's not breaking any rules. Well, that's what I'm going to say. I don't think that's going to come because someone was going to work because someone was saying, like, you can't, like, you can't make it forth a law that wasn't a law. I mean, I'm sure all those schools are just – those schools aren't directly having boosters talking these kids, I'm sure. I'm sure they're just using middlemen. So, I, I don't know. I haven't turned the thought of the, – the thought that Joey's throwing around there is something we've talked about a lot, and it's very possible. I mean, the Iowa states of the world – uh, you know, if you have a good coach, you're bringing in kids who are talented enough to play at like a power five level, but want it more and are good teammates. Uh, and they're going to get the guy, a bunch of guys who are only out of school because for money or who just came in last year, uh, came in this year. So that could work. I think we could, you know, see college football be more like college basketball where you still have your, your big blue blood still kick ass, you know. But after the big blue bugs, you get, like, schools that actually want to be there and have good coaching. They're kind of the next, the next layer. It's not just, like, you know, uh, these shittier schools, which I will call Oregon and Texas A&M shitty programs, that are just writing fucking endless checks and bringing in transfers. And I'll throw USC in there in some regard just because, I mean, they've kind of mostly sucked for the past 15 years. Uh, and now they're just unleashing checks and stealing guys from other Pac-12 schools, which is fucking weird. That is yeah. how that's how that's, how USC could be allowed to just go to Colorado and be like, oh, you're Colorado's best four players? We'll come play here. Like, how, how on any sporting level is that okay? I, I don't understand how that's okay. But I'll, I'll, I'll stop there. I've been very long-winded. No problem. And I'll, I'll say something here, too, because I was thinking about this uh, on a long walk a few days ago, but and so this is just speculation on my part. It might not be accurate, but I mean, we were we we've had uh, you know extended and multiple discussions the three of us about um, the whole NIL mess and our deep concerns about Washington's lack of motivation and being a part of things and stuff. And and um, someone posted that really nice looking website about a week ago or whatever that was of Sam Heward and a handful of the other players that are a part of something with Steinberg and. Uh, and then they have a thing where they're going to – each of those players is going to, like, run a camp, and then so they would obviously get a, a stipend from that, and they're going to put a store up on that website and sell merchandise. But obviously it's not going to sell all that much. 
And my, my just connecting the dots here or reading tea leaves is that my thought is that the Heward brothers, Brock and Damon, uh, are, you know, very concerned talking privately about Washington's lack of motivation. And then either one or both of them uh, undoubtedly would know Lean Steinberg might have even been represented by him for all I know. I didn't go looking into that. Um, and then so one or both of them reached out and helped to create that thing to try to at least get something going. And I have no doubt that the Hewards talked to Jen Cohen ahead of time and, and got her blessing on this because I don't think there's any involvement from Washington at all. And I, I could just see Brock saying privately, we just we got to try to get something going here with this. And uh, I could be completely wrong on that, but that's just my thoughts. Uh, what are you guys' reaction to that? Yeah, I would hope that uh, the Hewards are behind the scenes trying to do so- – I, I would hope somebody's trying to do something to create some buzz, you know, around the – around the players, the up-and-coming players. I mean, that's that's a benefit for, you know, the, that's a major benefit for the program. But, I mean, yeah, somebody did say on the board, which I kind of agree with, it's like the sooner the Hewards get, get out of the, you know, like as soon as they're gone and, you know, it'd be better because, yeah, it does kind of feel like. Uh, How would it be better? I didn't see that post. I don't know. It, it was just like we're – you know, we're forced to uh, worship these guys that we... Oh, know. well, I don't like Damon. I like Brock a lot. I'm sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. No, it's like it's like they were uh, they were just average uh, quarterbacks. You know, they're not on the list of the all-time greats of any Husky quarterback, you know, but... No, no. But it's like this, it's like this legendary, you know, legacy name that, you know... I don't know, and then you have then you have the, you know the the five star second generation kid, and you know he's anointed, and now it's you, you know, we're I, we're almost like trained to think like he should be playing, he should be starting, you know, and you yeah. know maybe he wasn't even a five star. I don't know, maybe, maybe he should have only been a, like a three or four star. I I don't know, it, but uh, well, I mean. Our third anyways, string quarterback but, is leading a camp, you know. Yeah, but anyways, as long as uh, I mean, if somebody's trying to do something to create a little buzz or behind, you know, outside of the, you know, what the pro- what the program is doing, then you know, I'm I, I'm all for it. Um, yeah, and, and like I said, so, somebody's got to do something to draw, you know draw some eyeballs to possibly, you know, for possible recruits to say like, Hey, I can, I can do this if I, you know, if I come there and, uh, you know, if I, you know, not everybody's going to get offered by USC to, um, you know, be a spokesperson for fucking in and out or shake shack or whatever bullshit thing they got down there. (laughs) Whatever, whatever, whatever overrated drive-through they have down there. Yeah. Hi, this is Giles Jackson for Herpes. Is <laughs> <laughs> Jackson Kirkland for Fat Burger? <laughs> um. 
No, we're actually potting today um, uh, at the uh, the uh, you know you're the one Joey that facilitated it where you said hey what do you, what do you guys think because you wanted to talk about the portal thing so do you want to launch into any thoughts you have about the portal situation? I'm stunned that there's only been uh, okay there was uh, there was two walk-ons like a couple weeks ago, Kinchin and then the. Uh, the other, like, a safety or something, right? I forgot his uh, name. Yeah, I thought it was a cornerback. but Yeah, cornerback. Uh, Case and Kinchin and then uh, somebody else. Uh, okay, and then then we've only had two players, right? Caleb Berry and uh, – uh, I'm drawing a blank. Who's the other Who's the other one that transferred? Oh, uh, Covington. Jacoby Covington. Covington. Oh, Covington. yes, okay. Yeah, and uh, he, yeah, apparently Covington's already visiting uh, USC, which is like, why, why does USC want, why does USC want him? Uh, he couldn't Weird. beat out, he couldn't beat out walk-ons and, you know, or, or I don't know, he was already thinking about transferring and then, uh, you know, was kind of mailing it in on spring football. I don't know. Um so yeah, that, I, I'm I'm shocked. There's only two players, which should speak volumes about the uh, the coaching staff that the kids want to stay here and yes. play hard and and uh, yeah, and he wants to try to work with every player that's that's still here. Um, doesn't speak this doesn't speak positive. much for uh, doesn't speak much for boner popper though that all the Reviews of the run, all the reviews of the stable. <laughs> I miss saying that name. Um, mm. You know, uh, the one thing though we can hang our hat on is that uh, like DeBoer uh, might be a horrible recruiter, and it sure looks like that's the case. Um, but but I agree with you a thousand percent. It sounds like they're just very active, hands on with everybody that's willing to work hard that we're going to develop you. So um, if we want to escape us uh, from a seven and six scenario this year and get to that 10 win thing and try to parlay that into something in regards to recruiting or getting uh, portal commits. So we don't have a horrific nosedive next year. I mean, of course we're coming from a four and eight season right now, but um, you know, that's, that's, you know, if you want to hang your hat on something positive, there's like the one silver lining in this gigantic, huge gray cloud that is Husky football is that um, these coaches seem uh, they're very hands-on and, and willing to work with any kid that wants to work hard. So, Yeah, and like yeah, you I said think before, there, yeah. there's wins out there. There's wins on the schedule. Oh, geez, every yeah. Is, every game is winnable. Every single game is winnable. Woodenville uh, High School would go four and eight with that schedule. It could possibly. <laughs> you'd be the expert on Woodenville South in football, but not, not one of us. So, uh, Willie, did you have any further comments before we transition to another uh, uh, topic? Yeah, I mean, I think just quickly, I, I do think there's a good that. Sam Heward thought about transferring and had a conversation and maybe even got close to doing it. I, I get that vibe because we're 
you know, Twitter sources and stuff that were saying he didn't show up at a meeting. And then, like, right after that came out, he posted, like, on Instagram, like, this is what we've come to in life. Uh, but he posted, like, a picture of himself that said, like, stay the course or something, uh, like, right after that. So it makes me think that they kind of had a powwow and they might be trying to find their own way. And, and I mean, every, people on the board and everyone in, you know, Husky Nation have been rightfully rightfully, you know, griping of, like, fucking the Washington football program has such a huge opportunity with the fan base and the city and the money and the, you know, the money people who are, love this program, who, I mean, unfortunately a lot of them died off over the years, uh, are probably left, but how they can't generate something to compete, at the very least, you know, they don't got to compete with Texas A&M and and Oregon and stuff like that, but God damn, you should be able to compete enough to get the best guys who aren't taking those paychecks uh, with what we have, you know, in, in Seattle and in, at Washington, that fan base. And uh, I don't know how, how that's not happening. And maybe they're doing something to actually take care of the players on the team. Because, yeah, was, you know, we heard, wasn't it, everyone was saying it's going to be like at least 10 guys and like one guy, at least one guy you really don't expect that's going to hurt. I think everyone was rightfully pointed to Heward and, without smalls on that one uh, and they didn't unless there's like some weird thing where you know the the guy they're leaving it just hasn't been announced yet and they're trying to talk him out of it then you know next week (laughs) next week the whole team's gonna leave but my last thing (laughs) my last thing thing to you know uh, uh, counter our our positivity on that is remember last year this time when like Michigan's whole team transferred and everyone's like god these are gonna Destroy Michigan. Their whole team's transferred now. And then they go to the fucking college football playoff. Uh, so maybe it's not good. Maybe they wanted the whole team to transfer out. Uh, and really, it just turns out that the guys that went four and eight are still on the team, and no one else wants them. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I mean, while you were in mid mid sentence or there, uh, a thought went through my head too. It's like, what? Can you imagine a situation where it's like? Um, Enough players leave. It's like, oh, the we had to, for, you know, so and so team had to forfeit because they didn't have enough offensive linemen, which led to another thought. What, what if the offensive linemen, uh, and maybe this plays to what your guys' opening comments were in regards to Bijan uh, Robinson. But if you have a situation where it's like the offensive line isn't really getting jacked, but they're they're uh, they're trying to protect a running back and quarterbacks that are making tons of money or whatever, what if an entire starting offensive line just decided to go on strike unless they got paid? All that kind of tumult could come. That that would really destroy yeah. college football it's more coming. than it's already destroyed. It's coming. Yeah. So it's coming. Yeah. We haven't even seen the kind of stuff that <laughs> I think we're going to see some wild stuff here in the next year or so with exactly what you're talking about. And I've talked about it on the board too of like the dynamic of now you got players that on their own team can be like, uh, I'm going to go in the portal and like you give me more playing, him, give me more money, you know, hook up my family. But the guy's already on the team and he can just threaten and be like, look, uh, fucking, uh, another school is offering me this. So then it just seems like a fucking nightmare. It's just an absolute Or the entire nightmare. starting yeah. lineup for Oklahoma yeah. State is going to sit out against Oklahoma unless. Yeah, exactly. No, I mean, didn't we already have that with the member of the, 
the long lost Pac-12 like players pact where they were going to hold out and never play again unless they got like stock options. Uh, like you know they're going to have to donate. The Pac-12 is going to have to donate the Black Lives Matter uh, and yeah, all of this stuff. Right. They needed like they needed like a pension stuff like that. That was two years ago. Yeah, that's where we were. Yeah, two years ago, and then I think the Big Ten <laughs> followed suit, and yeah, they no, they were never going to play again. Which to me would just be like, I'm pretty sure all these schools would be like, fine, uh, we're just going to go take the guys who won't want to do that. <laughs> we're going to go sign guys like like me and you coming out of high school. It's like, fuck yeah, I want to play for uh, I want to play for uh, Washington or play in the Pac-12. I don't give a fuck. Don't pay me. Uh, and if, if I'm wearing if the guy wearing the right jerseys and show up in the stadium, like people are still going to go watch. Uh, yeah, I think we're we're headed for a fucking mess and. and uh, the NCAA needs to find some fucking fucking nuts and defend the fact that their their system was flawed, but it's not a good idea to tear down a system just because it's flawed uh, uh, and then replace it with fucking nothing. <laughs> replace it with a fucking clusterfuck. Somebody keeps texting me, and I hope that's not coming across on the podcast, but... Um... Yeah, we're we're definitely headed there, but uh, you know, at the same time, I don't have any confidence that Washington would emerge from that chaos uh, with uh, uh, you know success. But um, we've already kind of uh, talked about that so much; it's almost becoming a dead horse, and I don't want to uh, make it tedious for the listeners. But um, yeah. did you guys want to talk at all about uh, now that you know? Because last time we spoke was what was it two weeks ago i think it was that we were just it was mid mid uh spring practice at that point but now the practice is concluded are there any players uh that you want to uh, discuss that you're either uh optimistic about more optimistic about or disappointed with or anything uh joe you can go first uh yeah every everybody i've talked to after uh watching this the spring game uh, from the best seats in the house that I watched in. Uh, everybody I've talked to, uh, and I agree, uh, you kind of look at the receivers and you're like, hey, these guys look, uh, they look, you know, big and athletic. Uh, they they all look the part. So the the receiving core actually – um, I'm kind of well. I think we uh, we went over all the positions, and we were actually surprisingly okay with the receivers. I remember that that pod <clears throat> a couple couple months ago, uh, and then you see him on the you see him on the spring preview thing, uh, and you you kind of watch him running around, and you're like, yeah. I this receiving core looks like uh, they're if we could if we have a quarterback that can get them the ball, <laughs> they look like they can do some serious damage. Um, uh, not not happy with the interior of the O line, but uh, hopefully with Kirkland coming back, I never thought I'd be happy to hear Jackson Kirkland coming back. So. <laughs> I sort of am because I, I think Fautanu needs to be moved into guard inside to help out there. So, 
uh, I don't know. There's not not much you know to see from the you know the defense. I don't know the defense looked okay, but you know maybe the offense, you know the quarterback and running, you know running game was just the drizzling shit. Maybe that's what made the defense look good or whatever. But I don't know. When Kent State really rushes for 260 yards. <laughs> what? I said, and then you flash forward to September, and Kent State rushes for 260 yards on our defense. And... <laughs> yes, so we're going, oh, fuck. <laughs> we, get, we, get, we, get golden, we get golden flashed. <laughs> they run the two-minute offense with off tackles. <laughs> yeah. And and either Joey or Wooly, what do you guys think of Braylon Trice though? I'm I'm getting a little bit excited here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh I was gonna say I, I didn't hear maybe because it sounds like there wasn't a whole lot of practice access. But I didn't hear about a lot of players, specific players in the in the spring as I feel like you you do you usually do. Uh Braylon Trice, I feel like sneaky could be like uh, kind of like a Joe Tryon type situation. Not as big as a freak as Tryon, but like, I don't know, he looks good at moments. And, you know, it, it's kind of weird. I feel like sometimes, you know, the draft and people get obsessed with like, uh, like a guy who can come off the edge and, and get a sack. But I'm kind of like, I feel like that's one of the, like the, uh, the, the struggle to fucking do it in recent, in recent history. It, it seems like it's not that hard to just find some guy who's like six four, two fifty, and can come off the edge a little bit. And I think he's that guy. Uh, I think he could be that guy. He flashed a little bit. Uh, yeah, I, I have some excitement for Bramlett, right? So he did have like two of the stupidest plays uh, of the season <laughs> last year. It was like him when he camped in against uh, Michigan. Uh, had like the three ultra bonehead plays that fuck things up. Yeah, but the one thing with Hampton is that even if he didn't have that penalty, there's no way we were winning that game, so. (laughs) No, but I mean, like, you can't. But uh, I hear you. Yeah, like that, like, Braylon Charles, like, flip off. I think we've talked about it before, so we don't need to get to it. He flipped off Oregon State, uh, and then he had something against Stanford or Arizona (laughs) where they had the game, like, over, and then he, like, personal had a personal style I'd like to kick off uh uh at the fi- at the last second so that like I think gave Arizona Arizona like fifteen more yards or something. I can't remember if it got called or not. But yeah, Braylon Trice is a good a good point. So I think we're gonna see some of these guys uh that you kind of forgot about who had some talent, uh who were, you know, Peterson Lake type recruit guys that end up, you know, actually being pretty good. They have that to me, I guess, is going to make or break the program. Uh, if the Braylon Trices and the uh, Galen McMillans and the Dominique Hamptons of the fucking world, if they suddenly are actually pretty good, you know, they, there's hope. But if they, you know, flounder, the program's over. So it, it's all resting on those guys. <laughs> is there any other guys you want to discuss? Or any aspect of spring ball you want to discuss? I actually don't and really we'll, have anything. Yeah. That's sad, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there was the only thing I would say, which I mean, the, I think the main or the media did talk about is I mean the interest of 
Sam Heward looking pretty good against the third string defense in the, in the spring game thing is interesting. I mean, ideally, I like, you know, I'm, 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 we're all big uh, Michael Penix Jr. fans, but ideally for the program, Sam Heward being what he was supposed to be is what is that would be best for the program. Even if it means that, you know, Penix starts and he gets hurt or, you know, uh, he would eventually come on later, but that is what the program would. It would be a gigantic boon for the fucking program if he were to actually just like a five-star quarterback. So it's good to see that there was some like promise and momentum coming from him. Um, I, I, I he, he, everything had been subpar from him until that uh, flash during the final scrimmage. Um, so to me. For him personally, I'm rooting for him, but I don't. I don't think that there's any particular boon uh, in regards to whether he, in particular, uh, you know, all of a sudden exceeds expectations or meets expectations or something. If Penix stays healthy and has a great season, that's fine with me in terms of just the team. Um, I don't think the program needs. Da- and Penix has two years left. You know, he's just a junior, so. Um, I, I, at this point, and by the way, you know, it's just kind of like who would it, who would how would it be a boon really? Because did did Heward really bring a lot of talent with him when he committed early and came to Washington? No, he, there weren't other five stars that were hopping on to to join him. Um, so I think you would have the you'd have the Heward brothers and the people connected with the program, and they would all be excited for him and stuff. But I don't know that it would have any sort of momentum generating effect. Well, I mean, I I think. Penix is, uh, his ceiling is, we know what it is. I think the, the Sam Heward's ceiling is supposedly, you know, being, uh, supposedly he could be uh, a program builder type guy. And I, I've always, I just, I've always had um, questioned uh, how great, unless you're a team like LSU, when they had like Jim Chase and all those receivers, or Ohio State who had all those receivers, I really are Alabama. Uh, I really question how much of an impact non-mobile quarterbacks can have in college football. Uh, as like an overall program type guy, but I mean, if Heward really is, you know, the best quarterback in the country in his class, and he has four more years to play, if he wants it, I think that would be pretty big and can create some star power. You know, because. Uh, Play some flash, but you you are right. I don't think I'm, I think it might be over over inflating what that would do. Uh, but yeah, and I, and I just want whoever the fuck is the best quarterback, <laughs> the best quarterback on the roster to play, uh, and that is the be all end all. And I, I do not want any more regressing quarterbacks or you know quarterbacks that are supposed to be you know, big dick quarterbacks that aren't. Uh, so if some guy from Tampa who played at fucking Indiana. Uh, for the next two years can be, you know, Washington's, uh, you know, haymaker. Let, let's fucking do it. I, I don't give a shit about Sam Heward. He can transfer to fucking Eastern for all I care. <laughs> well, I mean, I wish him well. I don't want to see him fail, but uh, but well, I hear what you're I, saying. You know, but I, Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but, but what I'm saying is uh, a few months ago when I watched, that, uh, you know, I don't know what it was, uh, you know, an hour 45 or whatever, I just, I just sat there watching tons of uh, Michael Penix's uh, video from when he was at Indiana. And it's just like the guy, there were times where his throws were off or whatever. Okay, fine. But overall, he looked the part. And when he was on, 
that guy was in control. And when I've watched Heward so far, he throws a beautiful, gorgeous spiral, but it's like if it's a go route and he and he can time it properly, he could look really good. But uh, when there, anybody was doing crossing routes or he needed to check down, he just looked very uncomfortable. And and, uh, and you might say, well, he hasn't had much, uh, you know, experience at the college level. Cut him some slack, you know. And fair enough. Um, but I'm just going off. I've watched a lot of football and, uh, you know, as we all have. But, I mean, I just don't see it with Heward. You know, and with Penix, I was like, oh, look at that. I see something there. There's a guy that could take a team that's maybe not even the most talented and it could, might be a seven-win team and he can lead it to a nine-win season or something. I just see that there. That's all. Could be wrong. but No, I I think I would, yeah, kind of going back to what I was saying, is that a program like Washington right now needs a playmaker. They needed uh, a better, I mean, a, a, a Jake Walker would be great. I mean, uh, don't get me wrong, but they need a player kind of like that who can get, generate a playmaker as opposed to, you know, even an example like uh, Matt Jones when he was on Alabama. You know, he was great, and he's you know, been good in the NFL so far. But if he was at Washington with Washington's talent uh, on the offense, I don't know what how much he would be able to do. And I just kind of fear that Sam Heward is that. Like, I feel like, yeah, Sam Heward was on Ohio State with their – or he'd be fucking amazing, but then again, uh, but if he has to kind of make his own, to make his own hay, make things happen and win you three games on his own the way, I think that Washington needs to have a quarterback to do that, to go from seven to ten wins. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know. Even if he maximizes everything, I don't know if he could do that, but yeah, we, we can, we can retire the Sam Heward talk for, uh, until next, next spring, I guess. <laughs> Uh, assuming that he's not in Northern Iowa or, or UCLA at that point, but uh, Eastern Oregon, yeah. <laughs> Eastern Oregon, oh God. Are you are you are you suggesting the barnstormers out recruiting Washington and NIL? <laughs> <laughs> Eastern uh, Oregon would start referring to it as the Washington Pipeline. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you you brought up one thing that that I found uh, pretty alarming when Sam Heward was you know already committed is it didn't seem like there was any players uh, quoting uh, being quoted as saying like yeah I came here I wanted to play with Sam Heward you know I right you know I I played with him in a seven on seven tournament and you know I want to play with that guy or you know. It's like I don't think he was doing like any sort of hard recruiting on the side, you know. Like like say Nate Kalepo was was like another recruiting coordinator for for Washington when he recruited early, and he was like, "I'm going to get guys to you know commit here. I'm going to recruit for the team and and stuff." I I never got the sense Sam had any interest in doing that. Oh yeah. He got one guy. He helped no. with one guy, supposedly. Don't you remember who it was? It's the uh, the other guy, we other five-star guy we always talk about uh, not doing anything. <laughs> oh, small. <laughs> remember, remember he supposedly, him and uh, he helped bring in small, which is, you know, great. Uh, so he brought in the other five-star guy who supposedly was all, all fucking hype and not legit. <laughs> 
Elite. <laughs> Elite. <laughs> Elite. Shout out to Back to Pack. Back to Pack. <laughs> yeah, somewhere yeah, in Hardcore but... Husky from... Um, it's somewhere in Hardcore Husky about two years ago. There's a thing where Back to Pack, a.k.a. Fudgy, he posted a picture of Smalls who was posing with... Uh, and Dummick and Sue, I think it was. And then and he was making all these comments about what he was gonna do and then I just chimed in with a little bit of resistance and then Fudgy just had a tantrum. <laughs> and he's like, He's he's with Sue, you know, or Sue or whatever, uh, you know, uh, case closed. It's like, Oh, that's all you gotta do to be great is just pose with a great player, okay. Yeah, so, where where is he? I wanna go pose with I wanna get a picture with him. <laughs> That 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 reminds me of uh, 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 I don't know why I just thought of it. That reminds me of uh, uh, not as famous Hugh Millen rant as you know the some some of them pretty pretty famous. But he went on a rant one time because uh, these callers keep calling the Husky Honk Show, and they would say like, "Hey." The, the Huskies' record, you know, when they rush the ball over thirty times, is you know nineteen and zero the last five years or whatever. <laughs> and and uh, it was when Chris Polk was a running back, and he goes, he goes, oh, he goes, oh, okay, you guys, okay, first thirty plays, we're just gonna hand off, and then we'll win every game. <laughs> It's like if it if it was that easy, we you know we'd we'd solve we'd solve world hunger, we'd solve world peace. Like, he's like getting pissed off, and <laughs> and I, I and I don't say this to to dump on Hugh Millen or anything, but you saying that Joey triggered a memory for me from uh, Willingham's. It was either the 07 season when we went 4-9 and nine or the 08 season when we went 0-12, and, and off the top of my head, I can't remember which. But there was a caller that called into the honks. This was back when I listened to the honks religiously. Um, and the caller was complaining that against the whatever team we had played the week before and lost, that it was like um, we had, there was one stretch where we had run up the middle on first down 14 out of 15 times. And and Hugh Millen uh, had his nerd machine there, and he was at first he was arguing with the guy or pushing back, I should say, like I don't think that it's quite that bad or whatever. And he goes, but let's look at this because I got a break broken down, and he went back and looked, and it was like he was either spot on or, or damn near close. It was, maybe it was thirteen out of fifteen or something, but it was exactly exactly what it was. Then we saw that same thing also with the uh, with the um, uh, John Donov John Donovan offense where we had this. Uh, obsession with just running up the middle on first down with our 135 pound soaking wet running back, and and uh, that's maybe a discussion for another time. But there seems to be some sort of psychosis involved there in terms of what gets into the mind of a of a, an offensive coordinator that it makes them want to uh, do that when nothing's working. Uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, they're, they're just trying to be they're they're stubborn and trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. I, I, I mean, you'd think they're you'd think they're better than that, but they're humans too, I guess. So, and I think John, John Donovan, he got hired as a as a defensive analysis or analyst or whatever. <laughs> analyst. Yeah. I mean, my for God, Minnesota or something, wow. right? Green Bay. 
Wow. Oh, Green Bay, that's right. Excuse me. Defensive analyst. But he's still he's racking up that needed time to get the pension, you know? Jeez. Well, it's, I mean, it's there's funny. there's a good old boys at work there going at work there. <laughs> so it's funny you just go straight back to the NFL cuz you know, <laughs> there's no there's no recruiting to be done like I, you know, why would you take the fucking job? Why why? Why'd you take the fucking job? I it may it, well 800,000 reasons probably but or sixteen hundred thousand, one point six million reasons, or however you want to divide it up. He could have. I he hear you. Gotten a, he he could have been a a quarterbacks coach in the NFL and made that kind of money, probably. Like what? Why would you take the job? You're not in. You're not into recruiting. Why take the job? I don't. You know uh, what? Pissed, do you know what pissed me off though? And I and I, I don't want us to. Spend tons of time uh, beating dead horses and stuff, but so I want to rein myself in here. But I will say this: what really pissed me off it was a. Uh, I was already deeply concerned, as everybody else was, when he was hired, Donovan. Yeah. But when he stayed in fucking Florida, then for what? What was it? Six or seven months? Eight months? And then whatever he was coaching or communicating he was over fucking Zoom. Yeah. And if you don't want to fly or I don't know what his rationale or reasoning was, get in your car and drive. I mean. Uh, that was just like horrible. It was just like if I get a new job like that. I, I'm I'm there. Let's get working. Exactly. Just... Like like he should never have hired John Donovan. But th- but then once he did hire him, uh, look that was your uh, that was your resurrection as as far as a college career. That that was your like your second chance. You've basically been yes. Yes, you'd been Great thrown point. out. You'd been thrown out for for a few years. Thrown out of college football. Nobody wanted you. You got you got a lifeline and got resurrected. And you did that. This is what you did with it. Nothing. You didn't change your offensive philosophy. You know, like like Pete Carroll comes back to the NFL and he completely changes everything he he did. You know. From yep. his previous, you know, from his previous time, he changes everything. Changes a whole, does a whole new philosophy on on defensive football and and everything like that. And you know, he he got his second chance, his you know, his lifeline in the NFL, and it worked out. You know, don't Jesus, don't waste your your second opportunity, man. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm it, irritated. I'm irritated at both those guys. It's not. I'm not just irritated no. at Jimmy Lake. I'm not for it. Absolutely. I'm irritated at Donovan. Like you, you fucked Absolutely. up. You had a good. You had a good job, but a good gig, and you totally fucked it up. Because it was roughly five months into his time here, so it might have been four months, might have been six, but it was somewhere around there. And then I'm reading this article online, and it says, "Yeah, I just had a great Zoom session with." Uh, with Dylan, uh, Dylan Morris, and uh, really like how things are coming along. But you're in fucking Florida, idiot! Yeah, exactly. Collecting a paycheck. I, <laughs> yeah, I, oh, I didn't understand it. Zoom session. Anyways. Anyways, thank you. Yeah, I gotta 
reel myself in there. But, uh, um, yep, so anything else spring-related you guys want to talk about, and we can uh, do the shout-outs and, uh, and answer whatever questions are on there on the site there at Hardcore Husky, and then wrap up. Yeah, I'm done sure. with Frank. <laughs> <laughs> this is sad. And the rain. You know, we should and have, like, rain. 75 things that we want to talk about here, and we don't have it. We're bitching about well, John Donovan. Yeah, I was there. Makes it better. The things we are talking about are the same, the same things that you know we you keep coming back to of how Washington's you know a, a disaster with NIL, Sam Heward sucking, and uh, <laughs> and John John Donovan. Are, yeah, Husky football is supposed, supposed to bring us joy, right? Are you guys shocked that? Uh, are you guys shocked that uh, Luke Wattenberg got drafted in the fifth round? <laughs> I was absolutely, totally shocked. Yeah, I mean, I uh, texted you. I was like, I thought there was like what, like a five percent chance he could go in like the seventh round. I mean, uh, I mean, good for him. Maybe it was, uh, maybe it's just a really bad class for offensive linemen. Or because I, I don't know, I've. I can't think of a player who, and I don't want to trash on some fucking kid who, you know, played a lot for the Huskies especially, but I cannot think of a player who I watched and I never saw, never saw anything shine, not only get drafted, but get taken in the fifth round. I mean, when you have guys like, you have good players who go undrafted and good players that go in like the seventh round. So I, I was personally very shocked, but good for him. Hopefully he, uh, Hopefully he has a career. I did not see that coming. I can't say I was shocked, but my reaction was exactly this. I was just I was reading it online, and it was like Jackson Kirkland fifth round, and I went, huh? That was my reaction. Just kind of like, oh. So you mean Wattenberg? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sitting here looking at an article about Jackson Kirkland. Excuse me. Oh. Yes. Yeah, I, I'm I sorry. Reading, I was reading some of his draft profiles, and it was like uh, gets gets walked back into the quarterback a lot. It's like, oh, he's not going to get picked. That's a bad, you know. And then, then there was some like does not blow guys off the line, and I'm like, oh, he's man, he may not even like you know make a, <laughs> make a team, like get a tryout. Some of them were like really bad. And then, uh, then he gets picked in the fifth round, and was like, "Whoa, okay." Was it Denver? Denver, yeah. I don't remember. Okay. Yeah, I think it was Denver. Huh. Well, he'll be defending Russell Wilson. <laughs> that may not go over so well. <laughs> Russ is going to be running for his life again. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> So we'll answer questions and do shout-outs here. How's that? Sure. Okay. Let's see here. Um, Joey with the question there. <laughs> All right. So Spoonie Love, let's see. Should we bring back the Pac-10 without Oregon and USC and develop a deal with those two to become their exclusive farm teams? NIL opportunity. If you're good enough, we can sell you to Oregon or USC. No flat beg 
flatbed truck necessary, I'll take my answer off the air. Thank you, Spoonie Love. <laughs> oh. Uh, I mean, I've posted talked about, yeah, the, 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 up, the pros and cons of USC and Oregon leaving the Pac-10, and then, yeah, the Pac-10 kind of becoming like the academic West Coast-like AAC or something. I mean, the pros are not getting plundered by fucking Oregon every year. <laughs> Cons are, you know, having 25,000 people in that stadium every every week and being uh, no chance of any relevancy of college football for the rest of eternity. So, yeah. So we'll be somewhere yeah, between the defunct University of Chicago and Minnesota. Yes. What were you gonna say, yeah, Joey? Uh, I'm just we, we've already like we've already said several times that like uh, Washington has that uh, has that carrot they can dangle out there of the Seattle media market, you know. Uh, or Oregon doesn't have that. They, I, this whole thing about they're a national brand, they're you know. Nobody watches Oregon football from, you know, the Southeast. Nobody gives a shit about Oregon football or the Midwest. So I'm kind of kind of tired of hearing hearing that garbage. Um, <laughs> so but that's the one thing. The one thing Washington has going for it still is, is that promise of the media market, you know, Mm-hmm. True. Yeah. We used to have beautiful world class scenery. Uh kinda not so much now, but No, it'd be it'd be if if you know, programs were gonna leave the Pac twelve, it'd be the two LA schools. Uh you know, I suppose just with the Nike uh affiliation, Oregon and, and then Washington because of the media market, but, um, yeah, I, I mean, there's no other draw for, you know, there's no other draw for any other conference to poach, you know, programs. So, I mean, well, I don't but, know about that. I could, I could see a scenario where USC goes to the SEC, Oregon goes to the big 10, UCLA joins the big 12. I could easily see that. You've got West Virginia that's playing in the, you know, the uh, the Big Twelve. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I mean, crazier. Th- yeah, I mean, Maryland and Rutgers move into the Big Ten, which is just yeah, it's good. Yes, bad bad move. Missouri playing the SEC. Yeah. Um. So Fire Cohen here, uh, he wants to, uh, Hey should get a shout out for being a miserable cunt. Ha ha ha. Um, <laughs> so shout out to Hey. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, he pulled a heel turn. <laughs> uh, bitch fork 51 says, can I get a shout out? So he's a WAM member. So he gets a shout out. Uh, Mike Damone just has a little note here. He says, really enjoying the podcast, guys. I'm at the point now where I schedule my week around it. 
keep up the good work. And then he had a smiley face. Um, let's see. Dukeville sounds, impressed only two sounds, pair. Sounds a bit out of character, but okay. <laughs> uh, Dukeville says, uh, we already kind of talked about this already, but uh, impressed only two players apparently are transferring out. Any concern we weren't able to upgrade by bringing other transfers in? I guess we didn't fully cover that, but any concern we didn't bring anybody in and upgrade? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. We've talked about it, though. Um, bleached Adis Dog. Not what? a lot of. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Not a lot of off-season turnover. You know, there's there's only like what seven seniors. There's only a couple, only a couple defections. Not not a lot of turnover. I mean, man, if it wasn't such a down, uh, you know, outside off the field, you know, hype around the program. I mean, we'd be like we'd be ecstatic about the future of the of the program this year, but yeah. Motley Future. That's Motley <laughs> Future. Oh my that's god. That's how bad they've neutered that's how bad they've neutered us, you know. By by the way, uh you know, one of the busiest times of the year in your job, okay? Just I've just kinda Yes. Thrown this out there. It's one of the busiest months of the year, April of of your job and you go on vacation not mentioning any names just saying um yeah not not allowed it not not really allowed at my work to take uh take a lot of time off you know on the on the busiest part of the year but okay anyways you wouldn't be referring to our director of nil strategy would you nope just uh and- just randomly throwing that thought out. <laughs> and our spring scrimmage, which according to Sonics 1993, had a grand total of zero recruit visitors. Yeah. Zero. Well, interesting. No, I just I just randomly, that thought popped in my <laughs> head, and I had no intentions of tying it to anything in the, uh, involving the program, but... Wow. Boy, we connected I the check. dots there. Interesting. <laughs> no, I I checked um I checked uh Karen Ramming's Twitter yesterday and or or maybe it was late last night or whatever, it doesn't matter. Anyways, uh her one or either her most recent tweet or one of her most recent tweets was retweeting somebody that was showing something and it was like uh I don't know what it was. I think it had to do with Instagram re- followers or something and i think was this for washington or was it for colleges in general i can't remember but the whole point of what she was showing was that the instagram following was greatest for the girls gymnastic team and then you know and then football's like seventh on the list or whatever it was and then and everything about her whole mindset and agenda is just fully on girl power nothing about football (laughs) Nothing, uh, nothing to further this program, but to further. Oh, I'm getting political there for people. Who, excuse me, anybody out there, because I do make a strong effort to not get political, and I did there for a second. But 
the fact remains that that is something that has really infiltrated uh, Washington, and, and it's a large result of where we're at right now. You would like your director of NIL strategy to be gung-ho, trying to do everything that he or she can do to build up the football program, and then as Joey is alluding to there, she's off on the beaches at Cabo or wherever she went because she was posting vacation photos. And Jen Cohen big, remains employed, and we're just not serious. We're not a serious program. Big, big uh, time, and big time in the program. Big, big month, and you're on vacation. I just can't believe it. I almost—I I don't know. Wow! And then, and then you post about it, just completely tone deaf. I, I don't. <laughs> well, I mean, also the followers. The the problem with you know gloating about the like female athlete followers thing is that like most of those followers are horny fucking guys, not right. like girl power. <laughs> like the, yeah, they have like these gymnastics girls have they have a lot of followers because they post like fucking bikini pictures and it's not because people are it's not because uh, people are watching these gymnastic meets or you know. Stuff like that. Like, that's why they have more followers than Savelle Small. Like, that's, like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever... Like, that's the dumbest thing to brag about I've ever heard. Well, you haven't looked at all of her, her tweets then, so... I don't look at... Yeah, I, I, I mostly stay out of this one. I want nothing to do with this, this conversation. <laughs> Uh, let's see, Hard Hat, we, we were actually were already doing it because he said, what's Karen Ramming the athletic department up to segment? And we already kind of did that. Um, let's see here. <laughs> okay, so we, there's, we still have, I think, at least three or four shout-outs to get to here. But Rodman's Rage, uh, he's asking for a game-by-game -game prediction I don't know. Maybe we can do that next time because that would be kind of time involved. Do you guys agree? Maybe we'll get that next next time. Yeah, I think that's closer yeah. to the season. And a, and a chance to yeah. think it through, too, instead of just off the top. But he says, if you can also give my mixtape a shout-out, it would be appreciated. <laughs> I'll DM you my SoundCloud. Um, and he is a uh, he's a WAM member. And he's been with Hardcore Rodman, – Rodman's Rage has been with Hardcore Husky since 2014. Every year he ponies up for Swayze Wigwam. Uh, so we're, I'm very appreciative of that, and we're more than happy to help. Uh, he did send us a 30-second clip, and we're going to play for you guys here. Rodman's – he didn't say the band's name, so I don't know the band's name, but this is Rodman's Rage on vocals. So uh, let's, uh, let's take a listen. This is 30 seconds long. Let's take a listen. So, <laughs> if any of you are interested in more information or want to purchase and help support them, and we should because we're a dysfunctional family here at Hardcore Husky, 
you could go to myspace.com slash Rodman's Rage. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. <laughs> could you guys hear that okay? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Sonny Shackelford still wants to hear the best Skagit Tulip Festival freaky tales. Willie, is it true the rumors that you were conceived in a tulip field under a full moon? Uh, that's still, uh, still for the bay, and I still got every time Sonny Shackelford comes up, I have to mention, shout out. Uh, he was in my wife's high school class, my ex-wife's high school class. So, uh, yeah, but I was, was? Uh, no, I was, <laughs> Sonny Shackelford and my ex were in the same class in high school. Oh, like, right. I went to her, uh, my, uh, I went to her high school union and Sonny Shackelford was there. Uh, you know, it's a very fucking small world. Uh, but, uh, no, I was conceived at Gadget Speedway in the bathroom. <laughs> 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 Joey, do you have any tales? <laughs> no, uh, not, uh, not, not really. The, uh, you know, if you, if you basically grow up in Skagit County, you don't, you don't go to the tulip fields. Really, that's something, <laughs> that's something the tourists do. They, you, know, you, you grow up here, you, you, you basically avoid. You kind of avoid that shit, you know, because. It's like the one. It's like the one time a year there's actually traffic up here. So yeah, that's my favorite part. Is all, all the fucking people. Are, oh, tulip festival traffic, and like I lived in L.A. for 13 years. I'm like, this is not fucking traffic, you fucking hick. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> tulip festival traffic. Like, girl, it's like, no, you don't calm down. It's not that. That is not traffic. It's it's also out in a farm field, like where there's nothing else. So it's like the most avoidable traffic ever. It's like, oh, are you going from one farm to the other uh, for some reason on a Saturday? No, then you're not going to get have any, have any traffic to worry about. <laughs> uh, Bananas of Blonde says, please do at least one segment with Dave Softy Muller. I enjoyed his appearance on the last episode. Um, Joey, uh, was it you that were doing... <laughs> Maybe we'll, maybe we'll broadcast from the 520 bar in Brazil next time, pal. <laughs> you know, every time, uh, every time I had a Husky book come out, and he he would uh, he would say he wanted a book, and I'd give him a free book, and he never had me on his show. So, um, and and looking back, I never should have gave him one. So. Somebody told me once they were listening to his show and they heard him reading passages of my book on the air or whatever, but um, I don't know. But I was, I think going even back to like 2001, I was, I had made some critical remarks about things he was doing on his show. So maybe that was it. I don't know. It doesn't matter. But um, let's see here. Pretty Bush League though. Wants a book, doesn't have you on. Yeah, he got every one of them. Oh, of the husky Jeez. ones. Um, yeah, in fact, now that I think about it, because um, even when Hoffman and I co-wrote the book about his career, uh, and he had Hoffman on, but not me. But I mean, <laughs> we just, you know, it's just a, a yeah, it, you know, like I said, if I take my ego out of it, it doesn't matter. So, um, but it's just kind of like it is bush league, though. 
but whatever that's you know there's a lot of examples of his behavior that that follow that trend so um okay yeah. well we looks like we've covered all the shout outs there um, well, hey, seems like we had one I'm, other I'm big time I'm big time there pal <laughs> I'm not just um anymore I'm sorry pal your voice broke up. What was that? I, uh, I know you were more. doing a softy impression, but I couldn't hear. I'm not just Dave from Bellevue anymore. I'm softy, pal. <laughs> I got a fucking. I will tell. Me. I will tell a story, and this is one thousand percent true. It's not a stupid joke or something, but uh, there was somebody I used to know. This would have been back around what, two thousand eight or something. And he worked at some sort of porn store, and I don't know which one it was. But he told me, he told me that Softy came in, was at the counter, took. I swear to God, this is what he told me. So I'm assuming he, it was telling me the truth. And this is I, I'm not trying to be an idiot and, and make up some sort of slander or whatever. He Softy reportedly took out his uh, membership card to that place tore it into shreds and said, take this away from me. I, I can't do this anymore. Oh. Wow. So. <laughs> wow. So. I kind of have something to add to that, but maybe I'll save it for the next podcast. Oh, that's called a tease in the business. That would be called a tease. <laughs> And, uh, okay, so I guess we could wrap up now because we've done all the shout-outs. Is there anything else you guys want to add before we close things out with Swain's Wigworm? I got uh, nothing. No. No. I, th- I thought we were, uh, uh, for being semi-hungover, I thought we were a little more positive than last one. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's what I'm hearing in your voice, though, because you you don't have the level of energy you normally have. So uh, that's why I asked you right before recording if you just woke up. But I forgot you guys had a little a little shindig you attended last night. So yeah, with Wooly Senior. Yep. Well, with with a full table of you know family members, but yeah. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. All right, gentlemen, we will reconvene then in about three weeks or so. Sounds good. All right. Nice talking with you guys, and we'll talk soon. Yep. Later, guys. Stay. Stay long. Thank you for listening to the Hardcore Husky Podcast. This show is copyrighted material. In other words, stop plagiarizing our shit, fuckos. So please tell a friend and rate us five stars on iTunes, especially you cheap bastards who don't donate. It's the least you could do. Yeah, I'm looking at you, creepy coog. And come join our fun at over at hardcorehusky.com. We've got Husky Football, Yellow Snow's Record Shop, and our notorious Tug Tavern, which is which is a shit show of politics and strange news. And if you enjoy yourself and are ready for the next level, level of cyber peyote. peyote, come join Swain's Wigwarm. <laughs> I'm going to have to read this over. Swain's Wigwam, yeah. Swain's Wigwam at Navajo Nation's gift to college football. It's also the official private club of hardcore Huskies. We're talking boobs, guns, and inside information, all for the low, low fee of $129 a year. Come join the fun. <laughs> I'll have to redo that one, but... <laughs>